0: Hey everyone, did you think it was gonna be different? Well, so did I. What I've learned is that I'm not your typical daughter, mom, ex-wife, business owner, or maybe I am, but I just don't know it because no one talks about it. We are all too busy with a bunch of different balls in the air to take time to process, well, just about anything. But that is all gonna change with this tribe. Ladies, I'm one of you. I've been there and done that, and we don't need to go through it alone. Will we be practical? Yep. Will we be goofy? Absolutely. Will we swear? You bet your sweet ass. By the way, little secret, this is not gonna be the podcast you wanna listen to in the van with your kids. So ladies, slip on your heels, cause we all feel more powerful in heels. Grab your wine, cause it's five o'clock somewhere. And let's dive into Not Your 1950s Housewife with me, Gina Seminari. Hello, everybody. We are back. And today, we are having an amazing conversation with Julie Phillip. Uh, For those of you who don't know, she's an award-winning broadcast and print journalist who is now a senior executive at Democrat and Chronicle. She is helping lead a variety of initiatives and grant writing efforts, including Time to Educate, a journalism, editorial, and advocacy initiative aimed at improving local public schools. She also produces and hosts Rochester Storytellers Project, a series of live events featuring true stories told by regular people. But her favorite job has always been being a mom. She has three kids. Her oldest is Savannah, who is now an attorney in New York City. Her middle child is Michaela, who's serving in Ecuador as a community health worker for the Peace Corps. And her youngest, Ben, is studying architecture at Temple University. Welcome, Julie. Thank you. Glad to be here. I am so glad you're here. So let's kind of dive right into this. A mom of three, I only have two kids. Was this always a passion of yours to have a large family?
1: <laughs> no, no. To begin with, I did not even really want a nest. Um, I wasn't really opposed to to, to having children, um, but I was really dead set on being like the best journalist. Like I wanted to be a foreign correspondent. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to be on national television. Um, and, and kids were not really um, a big part of my future. I thought I'd have a few maybe and, you know, <laughs> they'd be home and I'd be off in London somewhere. I, I really was not that maternal uh, growing up.
0: Okay. But somehow you ended up with three.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, even when I was pregnant with Savannah, my first one, I, was, I had every intention of, um, you know, taking my 12-week maternity leave and then taking her to daycare. Um, so we, um, you know, researched daycares. I visited daycares. I found one very near my office so, it, you know, I could drop her off on the way to work and everything. Um, so that was the plan um but then i met her like the 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 day that i had her <laughs> i couldn't sleep i was in that hospital bed staring i was holding her and staring at her all night she was just this angel and the nurses would come in and they're like you've got to put her in the bassinet you you might fall asleep you can't sleep with her and i'm like no i'm i'm not going to f- fall asleep because i just couldn't I don't know what hit me Gina. i don't i i can't explain it (laughs) (laughs) but i was just in love and then um i still thought well i'll take her to daycare um but it was a the first snowy day of the year when i dropped her off and i did not know a soul like i had interviewed and met all the people there and suddenly there's all these other people there and they said Um, well there's been this snowstorm a lot of our staff couldn't make it but they're coming we'll be fine Um, so I went and visited her at lunchtime and they had her um, in her crib on her stomach with her pacifier stuck in her mouth you know this and at that time I I, I don't know what the guidance is now it keeps changing but at that time you know i had specifically requested she does not sleep on her stomach you know the doctors say no um but they'd clearly clearly done that to um stop (laughs) crying you know to hold the pacifier in but i you know and i i was a little upset still did not recognize a soul in the daycare and then uh went back to work though and then i came back to pick her up and i couldn't find her i'm looking all over the room and i couldn't find her and i finally saw her in this um, daycare worker's arms, and she had been crying so long and hard that her face was puffy and red. I almost didn't recognize her, and Aww. they hadn't changed her diaper. The bottles were scattered all over the floor, and they apologized. They said, well, you know, we're really short staffed today. We couldn't, you know, we couldn't, um, didn't have as many people as we normally have and I I was just boiling, you know. <laughs> I'm like if you can't take care of my child, fine. But call me and tell me, you know. Um, right. So we we did not go back. I put my notice in the next day and um, ended up staying um, as a full time mom for about ten years until uh, little Ben went off to kindergarten.
0: So one turned
1: into three. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Holy cow! And, and you were
0: home the entire time.
1: I was home the whole, whole time. I did a little bit of freelancing here and there, but um, I loved it. I, you know, it, it, like you said in the beginning, it, it, it was—it remains today my favorite job. I just really love spending time with them and doing things with them and going on adventures with them. Um, and, you know.
0: And did you always love being a mom? I mean, because from someone who, and when I was reading, you know, more, I mean, you literally had your eyes set on exactly what you wanted to do. And I know a few people who've had like one child and it was an oops, right. And mm-hmm. they navigated it and figured it out and they were fine with it, but their career picked right back up. Like, I don't know very many who really didn't want any and
1: ended up having three. <laughs> it just, it just, <laughs> I mean, I just, I, 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 really, um, that to me, you know, seeing the world through their eyes was just such a, a treasure to me, um, to, to, Be with them as they were experiencing things for the first time, or to read a book with them or to, you know, see them ride a bike for the first time. It just every stage to me just um, got better. Um, And so I stuck with it. (laughs) That's
0: awesome. So then was it hard to find a balance between being a mom and being as driven and successful as you wanted to be in your career?
1: Um, I think I was lucky. You know, I, I um, was able to pick up my career about where I left off because I'd um, freelanced and kind of, you know, showed up for election day, that sort of thing. Um, so when I got back into the business, I was a, about the same place I had left off. And, um, you know, I did not become a foreign correspondent, but I've had a really great career in local news Um and I, so I have no complaints. And I was able to have, you know, a lot of journalists work really crazy hours. So it's very difficult to have that balance with your family. Um, and I've been lucky to have positions that allow me to leave at 5 o'clock and be there for the kids. Um, so I, I was pretty lucky that I I was able to, you know, strike that balance and um, ended up with these, you know, really great uh, kids that are out there in the world doing really good things. They're very independent. uh, You know, they're very self-sufficient. They're resilient. Um, So it it all worked out. And they're all doing such different things. They are. They are. um, And they've always been that way Since, since they were very young. They rarely wanted to do the same thing, which meant that I was usually... Um, magically in three places at the same time.
0: <laughs> You're impressive.
1: <laughs> I, so, I had wine. <laughs>
0: yeah. Amen to that. That's how we met over wine, right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so then, as we kind of introduced in the bio, all the kids have now, you know, flown the coop here. And it is
1: you. It's just me, yes. Yes, Um and dogs and dogs i have a couple of dogs so my house isn't exactly clean or quiet but um yeah the kids are gone um and you know i had never really thought about um empty nest syndrome and i you know i i didn't prepare for it because i personally have a ton of interests. i travel a lot i hike i mountain bike i kayak i ski I i you know i just have lots and lots of things that i like to do um, I have a ton of friends, an active social life, and, and I have my dogs. So, you know, um, when they left, I didn't worry about having an empty nest. Like, I didn't even think about that term. Zero thought, zero preparation. I just did not think it would apply to me.
0: Hmm.
1: And? That was a mistake. It was, it was a big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> no. I should have
0: given it some thought. And it's so funny because you probably have more hobbies than I do and if you're you're struggling through it I'm screwed uh, so how did this realization come you know become a thing for you? well
1: it, it, it's it's kind of a funny story because it came out in a very unexpected way um, so I was having um, drinks at 80 W one night with a, a very old and good friend of mine Gary he, you know he we've known each other I think 30 years Um,
0: (laughs) my dog has an opinion on the dog thing. He just waited.
1: Let it out. Let it out. (laughs) Um, So anyhow, Gary and I are having drinks and we're, we're laughing and I'm telling, telling him about my, you know, latest dating disaster. And, you know, we're trying to work out why I make such poor choices lately. You know, I've been sticking with these guys that were like throwing red flags at me. You know, it wasn't even a disguised red flag. It was a red flag. And I'm sticking with them. And I, I, I'm i like, I don't know, Gary. I, You know, he goes like, I, he was like speechless. Um, and then it just kind of clicked. And I said, you know what? it's not the guys that i cared about so much you know when when the relationship ended i wasn't missing the guy (laughs) i was missing the family the family unit around these guys um it didn't matter i mean they could be totally dysfunctional family units and it didn't even matter i just missed having that you know that those people filling that space around me you know Right. Um, and, and so it, it, it kind of struck me. I said, Gary, maybe I have empty nest syndrome. <laughs> and he's like, that would be <laughs> worth exploring. <laughs> um, and so I did, I started thinking about it. And then I started thinking, you know, whenever my kids are about to come home, that feeling that I get when they leave, I'm now getting it before they come home. Like I'm starting to dread them coming uh-huh. home because of, of that we know they're gonna feeling leave. They're gonna leave. So that's when I said, Oh yeah, I gotta do something about this.
0: So what does one do about empty nest syndrome? Well,
1: I uh, yeah. right, because you don't
0: want to you don't wanna date the wrong guys to build that family. No, unit. no, that that that
1: is not a good tactic at all.
0: <laughs> and I don't <laughs> you're like from experience. And I don't know if your friends are all in the same space you are too, right? Like depending on how old kids are. They might not have an empty nest syndrome yet. And here's another question I was wondering, like, you're not married. I'm not married. Is it more, is it more prevalent in people who don't have a spouse, right? Because your nest isn't necessarily completely empty, theoretically, Yeah. right? Like, is it? Is it a stronger feeling if it really is just you as the human Mm -hmm. in the house?
1: Yeah, so those are all good questions, and I am not a life coach. I'm going to say that very clearly up front. I'm not certified um, in any kind of mental health (laughs) counseling, Um, but I am a journalist, and I, I had those same kind of questions, and, you know, what do I do about it? And is it different than people who are married? You know, there, I had all those questions. So like a a good journalist, I I went and um, did some research Um, and I realized, and and it's still out there in a lot of the um, advice, you know, it it seems like there's these two stereotypes that I definitely um, bought into um, about emptiness syndrome. And one is it's, it happens to mothers who have just put so much of themselves into raising their kids that when they um, leave, she doesn't really have an identity. She doesn't have passions or interests or a career, yep. but that yeah. did not apply to me. You know, I, I, I have passions and no, interests and, apply to me. and you too. Right. So, um, Right. So and then the other stereotype that, that's that I bought into and that is out there is that um happens with married couples. You know, they suddenly look at each other and say, Oh my god, what am I gonna do with this person for the rest of my life? Um and I you know, I did that already <laughs> years ago. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> so so that didn't really apply either. So that I think that's why I sort of brushed empty nest um syndrome away because I didn't really think it was going to apply to me, Um, but it's so much more than those stereotypes capture, and what I think everybody, whether you're married or single, whether you are a full-time mom or, you know, just a part-time mom, um, we have to acknowledge it for what it is, that that's like the most helpful bit of advice for me anyways when I started researching this, that this is a, a huge loss it's a it's a a life that you no longer have um and you Mm -hmm. know what it's the same for your kids you know, they're going out there into the world and suddenly they're no longer dependent on you and they're dependent on themselves. So they're also going through this loss and new life process, but they're like getting cards and congratulations and grandma's giving them money. And it's like an exciting thing. And, <laughs> right. you know, you know they, nobody did that for me. Like I, I didn't get a cake. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we have to really, as parents, acknowledge that we are Losing a life and starting a new one um, and so the first thing I had to do was just really acknowledge it and there's very little information out there um, about you know single parents versus married parents um, and the little bit that's out there is not that helpful <laughs> it, it it the the one thing that I do see in um some single parents who I know who are going through empty nest syndrome, um, because I've started to really pay attention to my friends who are going through it. Um, Some Mm -hmm. are, their bond with their children was so close. um, Like they really relied on their children for their social lives when they were single for their, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that they're having a very difficult time almost letting the child go. Um, so that mm-hmm. comes up a lot in the literature about um, single parents versus married parents. Um, but if, if letting the kids go wasn't really my um, problem, <laughs> so but it's something. No, I don't think that'd be right. Much. But it's a, it's definitely something that single parents need to think about um, if they're trying to work through it. Are they putting extra pressure on their children to still be um, children? Um, So that's the one difference that came out when I was looking um, for that. Um, You know, I guess the second thing, once you say this is a loss, you have to start thinking about it like a loss and and kind of going through that process, that grieving process, and starting to recognize where the pain is. You know, it's one thing to call your kids regularly, which I do on the phone or on WhatsApp. We do all kinds of stuff, but it's a lot different to have them in your house where you're just continually moving in and out of each other's lives, regular, you know, all day, all week. Um, And you can see their body language and their facial expressions. And, um, you know, they're at the dinner table every night. And when you went hiking and biking, they were with you on the weekends, you know, all those little things are gone. Um, So it was really um, important for me to just acknowledge that's where the pain lied. Laid, lied. <laughs> that's where the pain was. Um, so that was step one for me, and that that is one of the big ones that in the in the little bit of information that's out there um, that they really say. You know, you have to treat this like the loss that it is, and say goodbye.
0: So as you were saying all of that, I was wondering, like, did you start to feel this when your oldest left the house and went to college? Like, so when Savannah left. Yeah did you feel it a little bit? And then when Michaela left and then what, like, did it, did it grow or was it like, I'm good until Ben left?
1: Um, I think that I was in denial for many years (laughs) until Gary and I had that drink. Um, I think it did start, um, earlier. I think there were, but, but I, I did have Ben and Ben and I were very close. Um, so it really didn't, fully take form i think until he was um and even after he went to college he was still coming home a lot and home for the summers so it really started to hit he's a senior in college now um, and i would say it hit when he started um two summers ago he started his internships in the summer so at most he's now home you know a couple he's also a rower um, which when you're a D1 uh, athlete on the rowing team, you don't even get yep. vacations, <laughs> you know, you're at yep. practice all the time. So uh, within the last couple of years, I, I'd say when he wasn't regularly coming home, um, that's when it really started to to hit when, it, when all of them are gone.
0: Okay. And I would think that there'd be a bunch of literature about, you know, friends being coming your family and doing that type of stuff did you find a lot of that you know like the friends giving and that you know have your friends become your family spend time more time with them go out more with them do more hobbies with them type of stuff
1: no right right well yeah that's sort of that was sort of after i sort of went through this um acknowledgement i had to start thinking about this new life um you know if my kids are having a blast without me and they're thriving and they're out there doing their thing, you know, why do I want to sit home and be depressed? Right. 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 So I, I, <laughs> I really had to start making a, a conscious uh, effort and to, to shift my thinking around this. Um, and so one of the things I did do Um, You know, a lot of the advice is, you know, stay busy, get new hobbies, that kind of thing. And I I didn't really want new things to do, but I realized that a lot of the things that I do, I had done with my children. Um, So I consciously went out and found someone who likes to do those things with me. You know, Hmm. these days you can find anything on the internet, right? Right. So I did, I I, I did start replacing um, my kids with um, adults, doing many of the same things that we used to do together um and then you know in terms of one of the other big things i've noticed with um some of my friends who are empty nesting is their grandmas you know and they're they're easing into it by Mm -hmm. playing with their little grandchildren and as far as i know i don't have any
0: so when was the last time you talked to everybody you might want to pulse the crowd (laughs)
1: <laughs> I know I should, I should <laughs> be careful what I say. Um, but <laughs> Knock on <wood>. <laughs> <laughs> So anyhow, what I've done is I um, signed up to be a youth mentor for a, um, a few hours a month um, with Compere mm. and mm. that's turned out to be just like a really special thing. Um, so I had to start thinking, you know, I didn't have to give up everything from my old life because my kids weren't there anymore. I just had to figure out how to do it. And not be alone. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, that's the sort of, um, advice. they don't tell you that in in a lot of the literature. It's like, get a hobby, pick up new things to do at work, keep yourself busy. um, And and that's not that helpful. But if you, if you think, well, I like my life, I just want someone to be sharing it, these different parts. um, It's, it makes a lot more sense to me. And choosing the
0: right people is pretty important. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Yep. And, okay. Uh, you know, getting out of your comfort zone a little bit. Oh, like yeah. Like this podcast.
0: <laughs> I see. And you're doing phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> so then one of the things you mentioned, too, that you do, and I don't know if this was something you did when the kids were still home, but Rochester Storytellers Project, or is this a new initiative that you have?
1: It is. It is. a started um, after my kids had gone. It is part of my job, actually, um, but a very, very um, important part to me. Um, it started three years ago. Um, USA Today Network has about 20 cities um, where they, they produce these nationwide these um, series of, of live storytelling events. Um, and so I started it here in Rochester, and we do about four events a year. We're now located at the Comedy at the Carlton. Um, And we fill it up every time. It's a couple hundred people. We started the first one three years ago. I think we had 12 people come. (laughs) But we we recruit uh, just regular people. Like, um, I'll probably be recruiting you. Um, And we coach you to tell a story. We have themes each time. And we coach our storytellers um, so that they're able to present it in 10 minutes or so on stage in a way that's entertaining to the audience. Um, and kind of keeps them on edge. You know, we build the arc and we have a great ending kind of thing. So it's journalists training people how to tell live stories, more or less. I and love the idea behind it, yeah.
0: Everything about that. That's so and, cool. And, and
1: it's a, what I love most about it is every single time the connection that forms between the audience members and the storytellers and then the storytellers themselves, the, the group of them, um, we're just in a society where we don't, we we don't make ourselves vulnerable like that. We don't have face to face. We don't share and, and, you know, we purposely pick very diverse storytellers. Um, and so you get these little slices of life that one, you relate to, but two, it's like, wow, I, I didn't know people had those experiences. Um, so it, it's just been a really fulfilling um, part of my job. And yes, now that my um, children aren't here, I I do put a lot more energy into it, I think. Um, And so we have another one coming up in January. Can I give out the website for it? Of course you can. (laughs) It's called storytellersproject.com. So you go there and you can just click on Rochester and you'll see the whole um, lineup of stories for a 2020 season.
0: Well, because I was just going to ask you how people can find out more about when you're having them. And do you advertise who's going to be... Telling their story at each event. Yes,
1: before the event, usually the, a week or two beforehand, um, there'll be a story at, at democratchronicle dot com about the upcoming event, um, and then it's usually in print, like the Sunday before um, the show. Um, but they are we have fa- they're they're listed on the Democrat Chronicles Facebook page under the events, um, and also at storytellersproject.com. So it's pretty easy to find out what's coming up, and we have the whole um, years. Schedule published now, so you can see when they're coming. And then we're going to have a bonus one that's not on there yet, but because of the um, 100th anniversary of women's suffrage and Susan B. Anthony's 200th birthday, we're going to do some kind of special storytelling night around that too. So, we'll have to keep an eye out for that.
0: That'll be yeah. awesome. Ah, oh, very cool. So then, I have one last question for you before we kind of wrap this up. Okay. When do you think ep- emptiness syndrome ends? <laughs>
1: You know, I've asked myself that too, and um, I I think there'll always be moments in time when I miss my old life, you know, there always will be. I don't know that it will ever completely go away, but just like any loss, it gets easier and easier. And I got to tell you, I'm really psyched about my kids coming home for the holidays um, and not the one in Ecuador. I was going <laughs> <She> to <won't>. say, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'll be seeing her shortly. So it'll be, it'll be fine. Um, and I'm, I'm, that dread is gone. Like, by just by consciously kind of working through it, um, it's already a lot better. And I am pretty excited about it. And I'm still a little mad that I didn't get cash from grandma or a cake but but i'm i'm pretty excited about this new life and i feel like i'm still trying to shaping it so it's it it does get a lot easier even if it might never go away
0: and you can create it however you want it to be
1: yeah yeah exactly
0: ah well i thank you so much for taking time out of your afternoon to chat with us about a topic that to be honest with you is not even on my radar right my daughter's 11 my son is eight I am in the thick of being their Uber and trying to coordinate schedules <laughs> and making sure that their rooms are clean and they have clean underwear and that they brush their teeth really for two minutes, not two seconds, right? Like I'm in that phase right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, enjoy every second of it.
0: Well, and by listening and talking to you, I realized these are like fleeting moments. And as you were saying that, I was like, oh my God, my daughter's 11. She'll be in college. And like, she's already (laughs) in sixth grade. Like I'm halfway through her educational years. And You're going to be so prepared. (laughs) I'm going to have an anxiety attack just thinking about
1: it. I'll send you cake and a card and some cash. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Congratulations
0: on your empty nest. I'll stay clean. (laughs) Go forth. (laughs) Well, Thank you so much. And for those of you that want to keep track with Julie, she gave you the website for Rochester's Storytellers Project, but you can also get her on Facebook. Um, she's Philip one um, And on Instagram, she's JJ Um, So feel free to catch her on either of those two sites. And then uh, Julie, we'll uh, keep an eye out for the Rochester Storytellers Project, and I would love to help you out in that space. Great. I'll be talking to you. You got it. Take care. Thanks, Gina. Hey, Tribe. Thanks for tuning in today. I hoped you loved these few minutes you got to separate from your tactical life to do something for yourself. Of course, we're on iTunes, but Instagram is our place of choice. Follow us there, listen to past episodes, or DM me at Gina Seminary. Make sure you kick some ass today. Love you.